The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Have y'all met Mo? Any of you? Yes, and y'all met him. He's, he's crazy, man. He's, if you can get him to talk to you, he's a lot of fun. He'll talk to girls um, a lot quicker than he'll talk to boys, so that, that's concerning. Um, I think he knows he's a handsome little fella. Um, yeah, so just wanted to uh, share a couple thoughts on relationships and then give y'all an opportunity to ask us questions. And I just want to set up what Little's going to talk about um, with one thought. She's going to talk to y'all about healthy, biblical, godly desire, and particularly in the context of relationships. But I wanted to read in Genesis 3, this is, like, this is the first relationship, the first marriage relationship. And it's Adam and Eve, and God is talking to Eve, and he says in Genesis 3.16, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And it's a really shocking verse to read, like, what does that mean? He's going to rule over her. Well, it's a verse that's pointing to the fact that relationships are going to be contentious. And what that means is, and there's a lot more meaning to this, but what it means is, there's a natural desire for you to want to be in a relationship. God's made us that way. God has created us to desire a relationship. But there's going to be strain and tension and difficulty associated with relationships. And some of you, even now, like you might be only 15 years old and you've already had like a really negative relationship experience. Um, probably a lot of y'all have already been through breakups. Um, some of you have been through multiple breakups. Some of you have been through a breakup and a rebound relationship that ended in a breakup. Um, that can be really painful, you know, like really uncomfortable to go through. And then what tends to happen is when you go through a, a messed up relationship experience, the desire is still there, but now it's distorted. You start trying to figure out what do I need? What will, and you, you may not even realize you're doing this. It's the human nature to go, I want to be in a relationship where I feel loved, I feel fulfilled, I feel valued, I feel like I've got some purpose. And you start to, when I say you, I mean the human experience is that we will then start to grasp at relationships to try to find meaning and purpose. And what, what we're reading there in Genesis 3 is, the relationship will not provide the meaning and the purpose. The Lord provides that. And then if we, if we figure that out, then the relationships bring a lot of, uh, a lot of value to that meaning and that purpose. It, 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 it basically, God uses the relationship in a way that brings him glory and honor, in a way that satisfies us. So um, it's important to get relationships right, to, to, to know that you're wired a certain way. God made you a certain way. And so if you do this God's way, then it's going to work. If you don't, then things get broken. We were on vacation a few years ago, and we had a, our vehicle took diesel fuel, which is a certain type of fuel. You have gasoline, you have diesel. You can't mix that up, or that's bad. And we stopped at a gas station, and I filled our car up with the wrong kind of fuel. It's the diesel, and I filled it up with gas. Well, you can't just go, well, I want it to be a gas vehicle now. I don't care. I know that's not what it's designed for, but this is what I, I've decided. Gas is a dollar a gallon cheaper. This is no longer going to be a diesel vehicle. We're going to be a gas vehicle. And no, what would have happened is we would have pulled out and broken down and ruined the motor. 
So what we had to do is bring a mechanic out. We had to drain the vehicle. Like it was designed to run a certain way to be efficient and to, and, and to do what God created it to do. You, you and I, we are designed to function in a certain way that brings glory and honor to God. Relationships are a part of that. But relationships done God's way are going to bring fulfillment. And they're driven by healthy desire when it's submitted to the Lord. And so we want to talk to you about that and then give you an opportunity to ask us questions. Now, during the question and answer time, we'll probably have about 20, 20, probably 15 to 20 minutes to, to take some questions. Be thinking, even as you're sitting there, about a question you might want to ask. Um, and we'll have um, one of the girls will run around with a microphone to make sure that we, we can take as many of those questions as we can. All right, cool. Format makes sense. All right, so Little's going to share, then we'll go into Q&A time. All right, hey, y'all. Tell me hey back. Okay. Hey, guys. All right, um, so real quick, I'm going to try to smush a lot of thoughts into a little bit of time. Um, as far as desires, like everybody here, um, we have, you know, desires that come from the Lord and from his heart, and then we have desires that are just like... Ugh, and dirty and dark and lead really to a lot of good nothing. Um, and so it's what's promising, like if you're sitting in here and you have the Lord inside you and you're a believer and you're following Christ, then um, you have like the Holy Spirit inside you, which is a huge deal because in Scripture it says that if you have the Holy Spirit inside you, he's going to like pretty much like coach you with everything like from today until the day, you know, that you – pass away go to heaven all that good stuff so like knowing that the lord is inside you so when you um are having like a kind of a conversation with yourself about oh is this relationship like something that the lord would say is okay or is this job or anything like whatever in your life you have the holy spirit to like ask and he's not confusing like he's going to be real um direct with you and communicating with you but you've got to like shut up and actually listen to what he's telling you guys because you, what I do is I'll ask the Lord for direction and like help and then I'll just say okay and then walk the other way and never stop and actually hear what he has to say um so yeah, if you're a believer you have the Lord inside you like helping you guys along um if you're not a believer and that's like a overwhelming kind of concept in your head don't let it be um it's really simple as far as just like saying Lord like I know who you are I know what you've done on the cross and I want to follow you and let you be inside me and, and live live inside me. And then just, like, you and him doing the best you can the rest of your life, like trying to do what's right. Um, and y most of the time messing up, but really trying hard to do what's right <coughs> and striving for things that, things that are good. Um, so as far as desires, um, a few really easy practical ways to, like, ask yourself, okay, is this something that's, like, that <coughs> I'm holding on too tightly to because – you, you have desires, and as long as you're kind of offering them to the Lord, then you're submitting that, and he will, like, help you with those. But what happens is when, and you guys know, when you, you're holding on to something and you, you kind of tight fist it and you kind of maybe stick it behind your back and say, I want to give you, Lord, this and this and this, but this guy or this, even, like, something like leading worship can be an idol, something where you're, that's what you see your identity as. That's where you're getting pretty much all your value and joy from. That's when you're holding that thing a little too tight and not being able to give it to the Lord. So asking the Lord, um, show me like things that are that are too I value too much. I love more than you. And then a lot of the times, like if you 
um, can ask yourself or do it, like say, okay, I feel like I'm holding on to this too much. I love this thing way more than Christ. Say, okay, I'm going to give this thing up, like, for three months. I'm going to not be around this guy. I'm going to quit watching this show. I'm going to quit listening to this artist. I'm going to not, I'm going to step down from the worship team or some, whatever, like, you're thinking that's, that's your deal. Like, that's where you're getting a lot of your satisfaction from, apart from the Lord. Um, so if you're able to give something up like that, that's like a good, healthy um, way to know if it's something that you're just kind of hiding from the Lord and, and holding on to tightly. Um, in Romans 1, 21, we, don't, we won't put it up on the screen, but I want to um, kind of reference this passage. It's talking about a group of people that have kind of lost their love for the Lord. And <clears throat> um, it says two things. One is that they, qu- they quit being thankful, so they're like, um, not content. So what Satan wants to do for you guys is make you guys feel like everything that you have, all the good things in your life is not enough and make you discontent. So a way to battle that every morning before your head le- leaves a pillow, thank the Lord for like three, four, five things. And, and not just like my family, my food, school, you know, like not, those are great, but get real detailed with it. Um, and just thank the Lord for things because it says in Scripture, if you're thankful, that the Lord will give you joy. Like he said, if you give me thanks, I'll give you joy. It's a promise from the Lord. So being thankful. And then the other thing it says about these, these people is that they started exchanging a lie for the truth. So they had like they had known the truth and the goodness of the Lord, and they started being discontent and, and listening to the lies of Satan. And for you guys, like for me, I know Satan lies to all of us kind of in the same way. Like he start saying, you know, what you have is not enough, and trying to make you discontent, lying to you and saying that Jesus, like, doesn't care if you're content or not, that Jesus doesn't care about the things you care about, that he's, like, withholding from you, and these are, like, straight-on lies from Satan, and so we've got to, like, realize that and have ways to battle those lies, Um, and it's real easy to just feel overwhelmed with the lies from the world and just, like, how a lot of people that don't love the Lord are thinking and feeling. Um, And it's kind of like a visual if you guys are in a boat in the ocean and you haven't had any water for two or three days and you're starting to get dehydrated, your lips are starting to crack and bleed, and you have all this, like, really cold, beautiful water all around your boat, but you're in the ocean, really thirsty, dehydrating. But you guys know what happens if you take a sip of ocean water. It has salt in it. So even though that's going to taste great to your mouth and it's going to feel like it quenches your thirst, in about 30, 45 minutes, it's gonna, you're going to be in a worse place than when you actually drank it. And that's like what <coughs> Satan tries to do is kind of fill everything around you with lies. Like this would make you content. This would feel good. This is going to make you feel great. And what it does is you, you kind of, if you become discontent in what you have and you stop looking towards the Lord, you'll start believing those lies. And then and that's when it gets ugly because, um, like, drinking the ocean water or, like, kind of walking into your own flesh and doing what you want, um, all those things are just going to leave you way more empty and lonely than when you started and when you were struggling. Um, and you're going you're gonna to want value more. You're going to w- want to be loved more. You're going to feel like you've got to compare yourself more. You've gotta f- you're going to feel like you need to be in that relationship more. And it's just going to be a worse spot. And so we really, really want to just, like, um, red flag you guys about the lies that Satan's going to try to lie to you about and make you believe. Um, and the things that you hold on to too tightly, like, they weren't created to sustain you, to completely, 
complete you. They're always going to come up short. Um, the things that aren't of the Lord is always going to come up short, and you're always going to end up feeling like worse at the end of the day. So, and we, we know, like, and we've seen in our own kids, like, the goodness of the Lord. If they're really fighting and, like, every day being in the Word, um, just trying to, like, bind themselves to the Lord, um, we know what that looks like at the end of the day. And they're, they are, like, content, and they do have joy, and they're not, you know, they're not feeling sick about something they did the day before. But they're, like, actually happy. And so we know that that's, like, totally possible for you guys, too. That's why we're talking about this. Um, but so just turning your eyes to the Lord, just being real vigilant with how you handle, handle yourself. Cause some of you like junior seniors in high school, you like, you could be married in what, like the next three, four years. I mean, we got, I was, wow, 20. Yeah. yeah I was 20 when I got, we got married and he was 21. So it's not like too far away. So like, you need to start being real vigilant in how you like handle relationships, what you expect out of them, um, just your your thoughts on those, how you want the Lord to be in the middle of, of them, um, and just seeking the Lord um, <coughs> and not wanting the things that aren't good. And there's a song that we sing up here, and it says that, um, it says, I shall not want, but before that it says, when I taste your goodness, I shall not want. So, like, you guys are going to want crappy boyfriends and crappy party lives and all these things that can seem so good. You're going to want those things if you're not, like, in Scripture and tasting the goodness of the Lord and then having that contrast and being able to say, no, nah, I, don't, I don't actually want those things. Um, so you've got to do your part, you know, um, to, like, to transform and renew the way you think. Um, and so joy, you know, it's not just, like, and contentment isn't just avoiding sin, but it's in, like, knowing the Lord, reading his word, being in scripture, loving the Lord, and not just going, oh, this is the stuff I can't do, but, like, loving the Lord and being in love with the Lord and going, I don't want to do these things because it would hurt me and it would hurt the heart of the Lord also. Um, and so in scripture it says, be vigilant with your heart because that's, like, where your wellspring of joy, like, comes up. Um, and a real good visual for me <coughs> as far as, like, being uh, vigilant is when I used to guide down the river like when we first started camping, I hated it because that water's so cold, right? But um, <clears throat> and I'm real cold nature. But so I had a group of of girls who were like middle school girls, and they were on my boat, and they were all so terrified of getting thrown in, um, and they were like at the point of like tears and like the uh, voice, like before we even got in the boat. So I could tell that it was legit. Like they weren't being like drama queens. So I told them that if we got to this certain point in the river, and anybody started to come to our boat to attack, th for them to just take their paddle and give one one good whack wherever needed. And so, um, so they were like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah, really." And um, so they kind of like pepped up a little bit. So we're we're going down the river, doing great, and you know the party barge where everybody like um, gets thrown out. Well, we got to that point, and I was like, "All right, girls, like this is it. This is when it could go down." So like, okay, you know, and so we, we started um, kind of going river right way over here because, you know, they come over here and try to get you out of your boat. And so we, I could tell we weren't going to make it. There was this one dude that was just coming straight for us. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> this is going to be bad. Um, so I'm just like, paddle, paddle, paddle. And um, he was about three or four feet from our boat. And my girls were just freaking out. And this little teeny, like, 85 pounds soaking wet little middle school girl like stands up in this like liberation like 
I rule the world. And she grabs her paddle, and she kind of looks at me like, okay. And she walks up to the end of the boat, and she takes her paddle, and she just, like, stands right here and just goes, right on, right here, like, on his forehead, and splits his head open, his skin open, and um, blood starts just coming, and it's, like, in the cracks of his teeth, and he looks pretty rough, and he, like, kind of swims away like a little puppy dog, and, um, there, and then my boat was, like, looking at me, like, oh, crap, we're gonna be in so much trouble, and, um, I, they just look at me, and I'm, like, whoo, I'm, like, you know, like, okay, we just did our deal, and so we just kind of swim, or paddle away, and nobody in my boat got thrown out, um, and it was, like, a very victorious day for all those girls, they, um, they talked about it all week, and, um, so it was good, but a visual for me of that whole story is like when that little girl felt like an antsy and anxiousness of, okay, like I'm going to get ready to get messed with. She like walked up there right to the boat and she just took care of it. Okay. Um, so for us, like Satan is going to pretty much all the time going to be in our business, like trying to mess up the way we think, trying to make us discontent, make us love a lot of things more than the Lord. So we've got to be, um, like, aware of that and be pouring scripture into our mind. That way we know, like, okay, I have this light in my mind, and this thing that's trying to come in is dark and having that contrast. And so she, like, met at the door, and she just took care of it, right? And so for us, taking care of temptation could be, like, having scripture memory in our head so that we're able to, like, say scripture out loud, um, you know, just being real confident who the Lord is being um, able to sing songs, you know, in the times when you're feeling really weak and puny. Um, so just being aware of the battle that's going on every day for your guys' <coughs> happiness and contentment. And just knowing that the Lord's, like, looking at you and wanting to help you out with it. In Second Chronicles, it says that the eyes of the Lord are looking every like at all of us, trying to see who, like, actually wants his help and who wants his strength. And it says that he gives that to those that are looking towards him. So just being being aware of the Lord and actually, like, saying, okay, I know you're here. I know you're wanting to help me, you know, in my situation. And then just listening to him and letting him do that. So that's all I got. Yeah, so we'll just open it up and give you guys an opportunity to ask questions. It can be doesn't have to be exactly related to something we just talked about. It could be related to really anything um, that it could even be curiosity stuff about us. We're fine with that. Like if you want to ask us personal questions or if you want to ask stuff related to relationships, boys and such as that. All right. So just stick your hand up if you got a question. Reagan will bring the microphone. I, I can take Caroline's and I'll repeat it. Okay, I'll 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 read. I mean, uh, I'll say the question out loud. I'm gonna ask one thing. Are you talking? Is this uh, more uh, in a dating relationship or a marriage dating relationship? Okay. So Caroline's question is like, uh, you both love Jesus. You're dating. Um, how do you maintain individual sp spirituality and Christian walk? And then how do you have Christ at the center of the relationship? What does it look like to study the Bible together, to read together, pray together? Um, Okay, so um, I, 
I think your your time in the Word and your time with the Lord and your personal devotion time, I would say I would strongly, strongly urge you not to include your boyfriend in that because that is the most intimate, open part of who you are is who you are before the Lord. And that's something that uh, I think a lot of kids get in trouble because it's like, well, we're trying to do this God's way. And so we're, we're in this relationship, but then we're studying the Bible together and we're praying together. And there's some things that I think are so sacred that they, they're best reserved for marriage. And I think that's one. I, I can elaborate on that if you have more questions. I think you need to have your relationship with the Lord that you're pursuing through devotion and study and prayer. And he needs to be doing that. I would, I would strongly warn against deep, intimate, spiritual experiences together just because that can get, those waters can get pretty murky. Um, and keep in mind, a lot of what we're going to say is going to come from years of experience with students and things we've learned. Uh, yes. If you're in high school and you're in a relationship, um, a few things, um, if the dude's, you know, not a believer and doesn't love the Lord, you need to give a big drop kick. Um, because he's not going to love you well at all. He's going to love you with a love that's pretty selfish. Um, so that's kind of a, like a no-brainer if you're, if you're following the Lord. Um, but if you, if you are dating somebody that you feel like is potential marrying kind of guy, um, you need to have a couple of people that love you that are investing, like older people that can kind of meet with you guys and ask questions and kind of bring up things that, um, need to, you know, like seeing how he values this or um, Brody even talks about um, how he treats his mom, how he respects his mom, um, if he like still, you know, super dependent on his mom because those kind of things feed into a marriage in a really bad way. Um, so just having somebody that's an older, older couple that can like meet with you, you know, even like once a month and just for accountability's sake. Um, and then for you having r like really... So in the scripture where it says, like, have no hint of impurity, um, you're like, okay, a hint, that's like, that's a pretty small, like a hint is, you know, like having, having not, no, no impurity in, in, in your relationship. And so um, it's when in the uh, Garden of Eden when Satan says, oh, did like, Eve, did, did uh, God really say like you couldn't have this fruit? Like, did he really mean that? That's like what Satan does and throws at us. It's like, oh, did, does Jesus really mean like don't have a, one little hint of impurity? Yeah, like he knows that that's what we need to guard our hearts and, <coughs> and our minds. So being real strict with when it says make no provision for your flesh, like in the Bible, that means like don't be left alone. Like definitely don't just hang around on a couch together, you know, late hours of the night. Like having a, if you're, if you're like somebody that's really like sexual and you're into that kind of stuff, you're going to have to have drastic like guidelines. Like, hey, after like 10 o'clock, you, you got to leave or, you know, like just really being aware of yourself and your weaknesses. Um, also, it's always really good, like what I said before, everybody in here that has a boyfriend, if you can't, if I could say, hey, why don't you take like, the rest until summer until school starts and you guys just chill from each other and you're like heck no then I would be like that you're holding on too tight um, because everything needs to be something that we could offer up to the Lord you know and so 
just, you know, a lot of little practical ways to make sure that it's not becoming something unhealthy where you're becoming so emotionally tied into this guy that you can't say, you know, no when you need to. So. Cool. What you got? Um, you can just say it. We won't bring the mic down, and then I'll repeat your question. Was the guy that got hit by the paddle okay? Oh, yeah, his pride was wounded, but that's good. He didn't even need stitches, just a butterfly. Put that Band-Aid on while laughing at him for getting smoked by a sixth-grade girl. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who is called to a life of singleness? Um, so I think it's awesome. I don't know if it's you or a friend, but I think it, she said what, did you guys hear what she said? Um, what what advice would we give to a lady or guy that's called to a life of singleness? Um, in scripture, you know, it literally says like, Hey, if you, if you're strong enough to like not get married and just have your life where you can serve the Lord, go for it. It says it's better to do that than to be married. But if you gotta have a bow then and get married you can do ministry still but it's going to be you're going to have kids and it's going to be harder to do that so like um I would say first off like see that have the mindset of like this is like it's not a bad thing you know like this is something that that's more cherished in scripture than being married um and so and yeah just if like if you are called to a life of singleness or for a period of time like not just wasting that away but being like okay i have extra time how can i invest and serve others because in isaiah it says you know if you're like if you're pouring into others and serving others that's how you grow that's how you heal from deep wounds and stuff like that is serving others no i think it's good yeah I really liked your analogy with the little, the, the little tiny girl stood up and she felt empowered by you because you gave her permission to whack that guy on the head because he was a threat. And I was wondering if you could expound to these girls that they should feel empowered when it comes to their own body when they are approached or feel pressured by guys to be sexual. Um, yeah, so the, the only way that you, you guys are going to be empowered and have, like, that strength is to be with the Lord. So say if um, for two, eight, two weeks straight you don't acknowledge the Lord, you don't look at your Bible, you act like the Lord is nowhere around, and then some dude at a party starts hitting on you and wants to mess around, you have no capacity to say no in that situation because you have, you have nothing inside you that's, that's strengthened and ready to take that on. So, um, yeah, the empowerment comes like, yeah, I, I gave her permission to take that kid out. Um, but the Lord gives us, like, he says, hey, if you really didn't cling to my word, you're going to have my power and my permission to, like, be able to withstand, um, you know, guys and um and it's it's really cool and scripture says that the lord will like renew and transform your mind and the way you see and a lot of times it's like where a month ago if you weren't in scripture yeah the party scene and this guy looked great and you were really into that and then you know you start reading scripture and listening to music that like really builds your mind up and hanging out with girls that have good talk and like actually care about you 
that that scene and that guy a month from in, a month into that when you're really seeking the Lord, that's maybe it won't even seem that appealing, you know, to you at that moment. Um, but you've got a, a, a quote that says like, "Every day be killing sin, or sin will be killing you." So like every day you've got to be attacking sin and the crap in your life, otherwise it's going to be doing that to you. Yeah, think about uh, think about what we've learned about David so far. You know, like last night when he um, when he got to the battlefield. Do you remember that moment where it says? And Goliath came out, and he was yelling, and it says, and David heard him. And I talked about foreshadowing, like, okay, this triggered something in David, but it, and then he feels so empowered to go out and fight against this enemy. For the believer, if we're walking in the Spirit every day, and the way we do that is, I think for a lot of people, um, reading and studying the Bible every day can be overwhelming. It, it seems maybe hard to grasp. If you have a hard time reading the Bible, what I would encourage you to do is memorize meaningful verses. Devote your time, like, like instead of reading for 20 minutes, what if you devoted 20 minutes to scripture memorization of meaningful verses? Like the one verse, Little Red, uh, well, the Romans 1 passage is one that I constantly go back to in my mind. And then 2 Chronicles 16.9 is the first half of that verse says, the eyes of Yahweh a Roman looking for those who, whose hearts are bent towards him. Those are what uh, one pastor calls them fighter verses. It's like verses that prepare you for spiritual war. And if you're devoting your mind to the scripture, David writes in one of the Psalms that God's word will guard you against sin. Um, it'll guard you against, un and I don't want to just use the word sin. Sometimes I think we think of sin and we think of do's and don'ts. I can do this and I don't do that. And here's these lists. But it's like walking with Jesus, making decisions and thinking thoughts and saying things that, that honor him and that bring him joy in his own heart. Like, can I do things and say things that bring joy and honor to the Lord um, and live my life in that way? If, if I'm walking with the word of God influence in the way I think, if you're memorizing scripture, it'll filter the way you process emotion and information and you'll make good decisions. So then... Um, you'll make good relationship decisions and good decisions when it comes to sexuality. But I, let me say this about what was in that question. There was one thing that, that I think is very important, and I appreciate that it was said. If a boy is going to pressure you to do anything, like the definition that, that we use for sexual immorality is anything that God has designed to be reserved to, to, as an experience between a man and a woman in the context of biblical marriage, anything outside of that is inappropriate. That's that hint of, of impurity that Little's talking about, that the scripture's talking about. So if a boy would tempt you or pressure you or ask you or urge you to do something that, that steps outside of the confines of what should be reserved for a, a man and a woman in marriage, and if you're wondering what, like, how do I know if this is okay or not? Okay, well, you got a you got a man and a woman and they're married, okay? What is appropriate for either one of them to do outside of that relationship with someone else? That's kind of where you can draw some lines, okay? Now, if a boy would now don't get me wrong, some of y'all are the ones that put the pressure on the boy. Let's get that on the table, okay? We live in a day and age where girls are the aggressors sometimes, okay? I'm not really addressing that right now. Uh I'm talking about if you are in a situation related to the question that was asked, because the question was more about 
a girl being pressured, and that happens a lot. And one of the biggest pressures a boy's going to put on you right now is for you to send him nudes, for you to send him pictures, for you to text things to him that are inappropriate. That's, where, that, that's one main line of pressure. Then there's the more physical-to-physical, body-to-body pressure. When boys pressure you to do those things, they might as well put a gun to your head and say, I hate you so bad I'd just as soon kill you. Like, they don't care about you. In fact, it's the opposite. They have hatred and disdain for you. Like, you need to understand the way the mind of a, of a boy works who's not pursuing Jesus. There's a story in the Bible, I preached this text at our church two weeks ago, where there's a guy, and he's, and he's actually, it's in, a, it's in a society where there's polygamy, where people will marry multiple wives. And he's married to these two women, and it says he loves the one woman, and he hates the other one. So it says he hates this one wife, but he repeatedly sleeps with her and has sexual intercourse with her. And the, there's this really interesting moment when I'm studying this that jumps out at me where I realize, oh, he hates her, and yet he will do these things with her. Like, like, and I feel like sometimes there's this perversion of, well, if, he, if I love him, I should do these things with him. No, he doesn't even care about you if he's pressuring you to do that. And to show you how far a boy, a man will go, a man will have sex with a woman he hates. And that's crazy to me to think about. And yet we watch teenage girls fall victim, fall prey, be deceived, be manipulated. Every week we have conversations with girls that believe those lies. If you love me, you will fill in the blank. No, if you love me, that's the end of the sentence. There's no, if you love me, you'll do anything. If you love me, you love me. And love is sacrificial. If he loves you, it will be sacrificial and he would care more about you than he cares about himself. You're more valuable than to be some boy's sexual urge, like the outlet for his sexual urge. You're more important than that. Please quit believing that lie. Please value yourself more than that. Please be more important to yourself than that. Please recognize that Jesus places more value on you than that. Like that's super important because I, we watch girls believe those lies and then their lives are given over to those lies and you deal with the repercussions for 40 years. So I'm a little bit passionate about that one because I'm a dad with daughters. That might be part why. I might have scared everybody out of asking any more questions. I'm the only dude in the room, so... I don't really have a question. <laughs> I just want to tell all the girls something. One of my friends, one of the most profound things she ever said is her husband guarded their innocence. So when they went to the, you know, their honeymoon, he had guarded it and they experienced that all for the first time. And it's one of the greatest gifts you can give in your marriage. And marriage is hard. And if you wait and save that, you've got one of the little hurdles that might come to bite you out of the way. Cool. Thank you. There was, I think, Reagan, there was a question literally right where you were. You could go ahead and take that one in front of her, and then you can come around here. Raise your hand. Did you have a question? Oh, she was, okay, all right. Uh, one thing while she's walking around, um, if you've already given much of yourself away sexually and you've gone down that path man don't 
like God is like so gracious in the way he forgives and restores. Like today moving forward, you can be whole and pure before the Lord. Don't let Satan going to lie to you now and be like, well, it's too late. You already did this or you already did that. And it's, nobody's going to want you. And look, godly dudes don't care about that mess. The guy loves Jesus is just going to be like, yeah, I love Jesus. You love Jesus. I love you. Let's do life. Let's do this. You know, like, don't believe that lie. I think there's a lot of self-shame and guilt and condemnation that girls tend to heap on themselves that then drives them to make more bad decisions. Okay. So whenever you're preaching and everything, instead of saying the Lord, you're saying Yahweh. So I was just wondering, like, since the ancient Israelites had like Yahweh was the sacred name, nobody ever spoke it. I was just wondering why you choose to use it. Um, that's, a, that's a really good question. Okay, first off, because I read from a translation of the Bible that actually uses Yahweh. So I use a, a legacy New American Standard translation of the Bible So when I'm preaching, and it, it actually, my Bible says Yahweh in it. Um, but the reason we can say, so... So that prohibition against, and it wasn't that the name of Yahweh could never be spoken. It was that there were strong parameters to guard the sacred nature of that name. And what we would, the way we would maybe, not perfectly, but the way we would kind of parallel that today would be not to take the Lord's name in vain, to say, oh my God, or Jesus Christ as a slang or a curse word. Um, but everything that was under that old covenant or that old law that God made with Moses and the Israelites, Christ re like renewed. He fulfilled that law and brings us into a new law where then he says um, there's a new covenant that we've entered into and it's the covenant of grace. So th some things are a little different now, but still the sacred nature of that name. So when I'm saying that name from scripture, it's in reverence and worship and honor of who the Lord is. Hopefully that, that helps answer that question. That's a great question. Oh, thank you. She's correcting my uh, Southern Appalachian enunciation, which I try really hard sometimes when I'm preaching. I, I do pretty good. And do y'all hear me fall back into it a lot of times? Like my accent will thicken up anyway. Yeah, right there. So uh, this is a question I want to ask because I feel like it's really important to talk about, but it is not talked about out of fear. Um, what would you say to the students that deal with same-sex attraction or have friends who deal with that and they just don't really know? Like in their heart, they know what the gospel says, but they struggle with that um, ideology of this is my friend and I want to love them, but I, I don't know how to support them in their livelihood. Yeah, it's, it's good. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, so I think the church, like Christians have kind of dropped the ball a, a good bit on this, um, because we want to make, first make sure like we're real humble and gentle the way we handle, you know, um, somebody that's struggling with this. And to me, like, it's no different than struggling, somebody that struggles with any sin. It's just something that Satan has put in their lives to make them love themselves more than the Lord. Um, so uh, what I would say to it is just make sure that they feel, you know, they don't feel like a misfit or something because that's it's just a, a temptation that that's common to a lot of people. But um, but then just like really trying to help them understand, like if they are a believer, like you said, they know like what scripture sh says. And so 
you know, if they love the Lord, they'll trust that what Scripture says about it is right, and that's what's best for them. So, like, if they're a believer and they believe the word of God, of God is, is true, then just really encouraging them, like, in any way you can um, and supporting them and, like, loving them just the same. And then making sure – now, if it's somebody that says, <clears throat> I'm a Christian – and I kind of want to live this lifestyle too. It's just it's just kind of conflicting because it would it's kind of like um, I follow the concept of like if you say I'm a vegetarian but you're eating a big old juicy bur- hamburger while you're saying that. So like saying I'm a Christian but I you know want to live a same in a same sex relationship it doesn't it conflicts because you're cr- saying you're a Christian says that you love the Lord you love His word you love what His word says about everything in your life and trusting the Lord that this could be a struggle, but he is enough. Like, he can give me the strength. If this lasts till the day I die, he'll give me the strength to power through that and love people well um, and maybe be called to, like, a life of, you know, singleness and ministry like that. But, um, yeah, if, if it's a believer who really just is struggling with it, it's, you know, she, he's just going to need a lot of gentle love from the Lord through believers that surround them. Uh, you want to say anything? Yeah, I would just add, I always like for Little to answer that question. I really like the way she answers that. And I am glad that question got brought up. Um, a person who, uh, let me, from more a pastoral, theological perspective, this what will happen is people who say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm uh, same-sex attracted or I'm gay or I'm trans or, you know, whatever that looks like. But they'll say, but I'm a Christian um, and I love Little's, analogy of that's like saying well I'm I'm a vegan but I eat meat like the, there's there's no cohesion between those two things and what so what people will do is they'll change the meaning of biblical texts they'll say well in ancient Israel things were different or they'll say well the Bible prohibits um, sexual promiscuity where you're just messing around with different people but monogamy two people in one relationship for life then it's okay but and I don't have time to go into this right now but I will say if you do a deep dive into the biblical teaching on sexuality marriage um, the what we would call even like a marriage mandate in Genesis 1 and 2 the scriptures very very clear and Genesis 1 and 2 happened before God gave some of you this is going to probably not even make sense but those of you that are theologically approaching this Genesis 1 and 2 where God says here's the mandate for marriage a man and a woman come together they both reflect the image of God they procreate they raise godly people so that the church might take dominion over the fallen creation eventually but over the created order later the law comes in and lays down prohibitions against um, certain types of sexual activity in the New Testament Jesus is like here's the way I design marriage and he begins to point back to the original design for marriage okay so the scripture would say that God's design for marriage and sexuality it goes back to what I was saying earlier about I can say well I don't want my diesel engine truck to be a diesel engine truck anymore but it was designed a certain way by the designer okay so so the scripture would support that but this is deeper this is more this conversation is about way more than just what is the biblical truth here? It's about genuine struggle, genuine hardship. People are inclined a certain way. People are compelled towards same-sex attraction. We live in a fallen world, and what I would say to the Christian who's struggling, listen to me, there are some of you 
who are Christ followers and you're struggling with same-sex attraction, I would say this. Just set that desire aside and go back to the one sister's question earlier about maybe God's calling you to just not be in relationship. You don't, it, like, you don't have to choose like, well, I don't have heterosexual opposite sex desires. Therefore, I'm going to pursue same sex. Well, no, like you can set those desires, all those desires aside and consider yourself someone who right now in this season of life is just going to be devoted to the Lord and just let him satisfy you. Let him fill you up. And don't try to figure out, figure out your sexuality. You don't have to do that. Just figure out God's plan for your life. And I think he'll bring a lot of fulfillment in that. And one more thing um, with it is I think sometimes girls think that, like, victory over same-sex attraction means that it's gone. Like, it's resolved and gone. But, like, victory can be in the fact that you fight that every day. Like, that can be your victory um, where, um, you know, you don't get – like discouraged well I'm still struggling with this today and last year I was still struggling well if you're fighting it and you're submitting that to the Lord there's that's victory as well um so you know don't get discouraged about that yeah and the last last thing I was saying and I think we're probably gonna have to wrap it up um but while we're on this topic because there's so many different little nuances and little categories we could discuss this um but like I know, I know uh, right now all of us have close friend, friends w- who are gay or who are trans or who are transitioning. And I would say, man, just be a good friend. You don't have to talk about their sexuality, especially not frequently. You know, like if they bring it up, just be a good friend. Um, I feel like there's this weird, like, well, if a person is choosing that lifestyle, there's this little address this earlier, like the church sometimes does a poor job of like, well, man, I can't be friends with them. But I got friends. There's a, there's a lady in town who grew up coming to camp here. She's in a same-sex marriage with another woman, and they've adopted two kids, and, like, and she's a local police officer. Every time I see her, I give her a big old hug. I tell her I love her. I tell her I'm praying for her. We have a really good friendship. Um, and I feel like the, a lot of times it's like, well, I can't be friends with this person. The, so there's that. Like, like you don't have to disassociate with someone. Be a friend. Um, but then there's another category where that I think is, is worth addressing where, um, it's important to recognize boys tend to, boys and same sex attractions tend to be very sexually driven. And so a lot of times you'll see with boys or men, not always, I'm not saying across the board, but a lot of times there'll be more of a desire to have multiple sexual experiences with girls, a lot of girls get drawn into same-sex relationships through the codependent ten- like nature of like deep friendship, emotional bond. You really start to bond with this person, then you can become codependent, and then you just want to be with this person. And I think that's what you've got to be more guarded against or aware of is the tendency to go down that path. You've got to be careful. We see a lot of girls that start with just like really close friendships, and then they go down this path you got to be, I think, guarded against that to, to protect your friendships. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.